welcome friends in the room. Friends in, get excited. El Paso, Fort Worth, Phoenix, Austin, Northwest Arkansas, Houston, Texas, Tulsa, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, wherever you're listening in to or wherever you are at listening in, we are excited to continue this series on mood. So I'm going to start with a way that is uh, particularly relevant to the people in Dallas inside of this room. So if you are listening at a later date or in from afar, uh, just bear with us because we have had an eventful past couple days in Dallas, Texas. And if anything has been learned, in my opinion, it is that we as a city are not ready for the apocalypse (laughs) because it has been unreal how confronted with how dependent we are, how unprepared we are, how no one knows how to stop at a four-way stop, (laughs) how much you use energy. I mean, like, what a reminder, because everyone, if your power has been out, anyone's power been out recently? Anyone wake up this morning, their power's been out? The rest of you guys just, man, escape the storm. But for those of us who have been, it's been like, dude, you are so aware when something like that happens of how dependent you are on electricity. It's like we're all out in our car charging our phone like a bunch of addicts. It's like ridiculous. (laughs) And uh, you're never confronted more with with just how, you know, self-service, because even once you charge it, you lost service with people and how important a microwave is or how uh, just unable most people are to drive and how, you know, gas stations, of course, being out of gas and just everything you're kind of confronted with in a moment of uh, how challenging it is or would be if there ever was an apocalyptic situation, if you will. And yet the reason I start there is because in the last few days, it's been such a reminder of how many things that in my life I take for granted, things that, that uh, I just get so used to having. And the one good thing about having them all stripped away in a moment is that you're reminded how thankful you are for those things. How thankful you are for just normal energy, how grateful you are that air conditioning is around, holla at your boy, how grateful you are for just modern things that uh, every day we take for granted. And so tonight we're going to talk about a subject related to this mood series, and it's an emotion and a mood that really has a lot to do with that idea of just being grateful, and it's that, grateful. And gratefulness, here's what I know about the room. Nobody walked in tonight and said, you know what my biggest felt need is in here? I need to hear a message on gratefulness. People came into the room and they want to know about how to handle money, dating, anxiety, maybe depression is something you're walking through, challenging times, hardship. But gratefulness, and that doesn't even feel like relevant. I feel like I'm a pretty grateful person in general, like I got this. You know, I I say thank you whenever somebody does something nice for me. I'm grateful. Let's move on. And yet the truth is that just like it was exposed by not having those things, we're reminded of how much we take things for granted, how often I fail to just drive through and be like, man, thank you, Lord, that these lights work. Thank you, Lord, that electricity is flowing. In the same way, often most of us live lives that are anything except marked by grateful and gratefulness. And yet the tragedy there is that gratefulness, as we're going to explore and study from God's word, is not just a command in the Bible. In other words, you cannot follow Jesus if you do not regularly practice gratefulness, regularly express gratefulness, Gratefulness is one of those things that's really, like we said, really of shame. It can be a gateway to all kinds of positive things inside of your life. Gratefulness leads to being generosity. It leads to encouragement. It leads to stronger relationships, as we're going to talk about in a second. And gratefulness is not just something that the church or Christians have the corner on the market on. Secular studies have shown, here's what's crazy, 
that if you are grateful, if you will just include a habit of expressing things that you're thankful for in life, it will transform your life. There was one study done, or actually it was a number of studies that concluded that if you will, for five minutes a week, do a daily gratitude journal for five minutes a day, basically write out things you're thankful for. It will enter, increase your long-term well-being by the same amount as doubling your income. Let me read that again. If you will practice for five minutes a day, studies show in, the, in a secular sense, like non-Christian, non-related to any church stuff. If people will just practice here, I'm writing out the things that I'm thankful for today. I'm thankful for these clothes. I'm thankful for something to eat. I'm thankful for uh, a friend. I'm thankful for a roommate. I'm thankful for a car. If you will just do that for five minutes a day, even people outside of the church would say it will transform your life as much as doubling your income. I, I, here's what I know. If you make $45,000 uh, in the room and tonight I was like, hey, I'm going to give you 90 grand going forward. My guess is most of us are leaving happy if that's your place. And that's exactly what these studies would say. And what God's word would say is that it's not just something that will increase and improve your life. It is a command from him. And it's a command that works for our good every time as even people outside of the church are showing and professing. Thanklessness, on the other hand, is one of the marks of someone who does not know God. In Romans chapter one, it says that although they knew God, they did not honor him as God nor give thanks to him. And so as believers, we are called to have lives that are marked by gratefulness. So tonight, we're going to talk about what it looks like, three components biblically of gratefulness. We've been in this series called Mood. What is Mood? If you're joining us for the first time, all the messages are on the porch app or on the podcast. You can go check those out. But Mood is a look at human emotions from a biblical perspective. A lot of people think that emotions are bad. Why do I have those? I shouldn't have them at all. And a lot of people think emotions are everything. And so what does the Bible actually say as it relates to human emotions? What role should they play in our life? And we've said that emotion is a gift that God has given to the human race, and it's a gift particularly given in order to move us. That's what emotion, even the word emotion comes from a Latin word, mover, to move. And God gave the human race the gift of emotions to move us in particular direction, to move us in the direction of him and the direction of his will. And so tonight, as it relates to gratefulness, Jesus is going to say in a very uh, clear way, that the emotion of gratefulness should move you to a certain action. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 17. If you take notes, you can just call this one grateful. And we will be in Luke chapter 17. We're going to look at an interaction Jesus has with 10 gentlemen, 10 gentlemen. And we will pick it up there and explore what he has to say about the subject of gratefulness. Start in verse 11 in chapter 17. Should be on the screens if you don't have a Bible uh, in addition to the fact, if you don't have a Bible, we've got some in the Welcome Center. That's our gift to you. You can get one tonight. Let me start in 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance and they cried out, or they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. All right, let me stop. Most likely, nobody in this room has ever had leprosy before. It's not the best of diseases to contract. Here's what's going on with leprosy. It would be a disease that uh, plagued the ancient world. It's a disease that really modern science and modern medicine has pretty much eradicated from our world. But at this time, there wasn't a solution for it. There was no medicine. There was no cure. It would show up on your body one day, and it was on your skin, and your skin would begin to erode. It would begin to make you lose sensation in all of your skin, your, uh, your nose, your ears. Things would begin to fall apart. And it would spread all throughout your skin. It was highly contagious. So here's what happened. If you were a leper, you were immediately kicked out of town. The day you showed up or the day that you realized there's something growing on my skin was the worst day of your life. 
because it would be the last moment you would ever hug your children, you would ever sleep next to your wife or your husband, it'd be the last moment you could be around society, you couldn't go to church anymore, you were a leper. Everywhere that you went, you had to yell out in advance, unclean, unclean, so that people knew, do not get near this person to not spread the disease. So this was a group of 10 men who had been living together because it's like, hey, I'm not exactly going to get into the Jerusalem apartment complex, so I've got to hang out with some other boys who've got the same disease as me. And so they all kind of united, and together they formed some little like colony, a leper colony outside in between Samaria and Galilee. And they sat there, cut off from their family, cut off from friends. And one day they hear about this man, Jesus, who's been showing up, and apparently he's been doing miracles and doing things that have been impacting, changing lives, giving sight to blind people. And then one day Jesus walks in front of them. And so the 10 of them get together and they cry out, Jesus, have mercy or have pity on us. And Jesus says, when he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. The priests were the people who would allow, if you were a leper and somehow miraculously it went away, you'd have to go show yourself to the priest basically to get permission to go back in. In other words, to enter into society, if you were like, man, I think I've been healed of leprosy or whatever's going on, you'd go show yourself to a priest and the priest would have to do the inspection and be like, come into church and you know, we gotta inspect to make sure the leprosy is gone. And that's what they were doing. So Jesus says, hey, go show yourself as though like, hey, you're gonna be healed on the way that you walk to that priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. So they crowd to Jesus. Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. I'm answering your prayer. And they turn around, they start walking towards the city of Jerusalem. They haven't been there since they got kicked out. And as they're walking, their body begins to change. And everything transforms. And they were healed of their leprosy. One of them, verse 15, when he saw that he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked we're not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. We're gonna come back to that last line. But Jesus points that despite 10 being healed, only one of them comes back. Only one had the response. In other words, that Jesus says, this is the right and appropriate response that is to be had. The first thing I wanna talk about as it relates to gratefulness. It's just this idea that gratefulness has this power to it, and particularly it has a power to strengthen relationships. Gratefulness, when it marks somebody's life, just like it marked this leper's life in that moment, has the power to strengthen relationships. Its presence in your relationships or in your life is gonna be something that is a part of strengthening your relationships with God and strengthening your relationships with others. This guy gives us an indication or, or a look at what that looks like with God. All 10 lepers had some interaction with Jesus. And they had some experience and exposure to him, but all of them had only a skin deep relationship that he healed the outside. But this man, he comes back and he expresses a praise and a thankfulness to God. And Jesus says something to him that he very rarely repeats all throughout the New Testament. Your faith has saved you. Lots of times he says to different men and women, different things. Hey, let the dead bear the dead. Leave your father behind you, all these things. And he looks at this man and he says, hey, your faith has saved you. That made you well is the same word for saved. That this man, because of his perspective on who Jesus was, his thankfulness and him moving in the direction of expressing that gratefulness, experienced a relationship with Jesus different from the other nine. 
Gratefulness always strengthens relationships and you having gratefulness in your life is a part of the criteria that will strengthen your relationship with God or the absence of gratefulness will lead to a weakening of your relationship with God. A weakening of your faith would be another way of saying it. And a strengthening of your relationship with other people in your life. How does being thankful to God strengthen your relationship with him? Well, here's how. Anytime that I'm thankful to God, anytime that I'm like, Lord, hey, I just want to thank you for the sake. I want to thank you for the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm alive. Another day was given me that I wasn't promised. I woke up this morning. A lot of people didn't. I've got legs that I can walk. Thank you, God. Whatever I just begin to assume, God, thank you. Everything in my life is a gift. It's a reflection of a humility that I don't see anything that I have as something that I earned. You know, I really deserve this and I worked really hard. But everything's been a gift. As 1 Corinthians 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 7 says that, what do you have that you did not receive? Let me just read it. What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why do you boast as though it were not a gift? One of the things that uh, thankfulness in a relationship with God, expressing thanks towards God regularly does, is it fights against pride and it fuels praise in my life. In other words, everything inside of my life where uh, I'm tempted to, hey, I worked really hard on that project. Maybe it's for you. You're like, hey, you know, I worked really hard. I got a promotion. I got a raise. And I deserved it. I earned it. I worked really hard. I stayed after hours. I gave all that I, you know, of my effort to that project. And I feel like I earned it. That's a posture that fuels pride versus a posture of God. Hey, you're the one who gave me this job. You're the reason that I got an education in the first place. You gave me a mind that works. You allowed my body to get up and have the strength to work later hours. All of a sudden, what is an opportunity for me to be tempted to have pride becomes an opportunity to turn towards praising God. One of the ways that thankfulness strengthens your relationship is in vocalizing, God, thank you. Thank you for a car that even though it's broken down, I have a car. Thank you for another night to just come and worship you. How many people in our world would love to have the freedom to get to do that? It keeps me in a place of humility. And instead of fueling pride, it fuels this fuels praise to God. As we're told in 1 Peter chapter 5, pride will keep you in the opposition of God. In other words, if you see yourself as, hey, what I have, I earned and I deserve, that is pride, and that will hinder your relationship with God. It says he gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. In other words, you're the opposition or in the opposition of God. So of course it's gonna hinder your relationship versus a thankfulness that God, everything that I have is because of you. I don't deserve any of this. And I'm gonna turn everything in my life as a chance to just thank you and point it all back to you, which fuels the praise. It not only strengthens your relationship with God, it's a chance to strengthen your relationship with other people. When someone does something for you or when uh, you do someone for something for someone else and they don't thank you, we all notice it. When I go out of my way to I'm planning a party or I you know, go out of my way to to provide for my team or to do something for my wife and nothing is said, I'm going, okay, huh, when is that gonna happen here? It creates this uh, disruption in our relationship where I'm like, does she think she's entitled to this? Does she deserve it? Did she even realize what I did there? And all of a sudden, what was an opportunity for us to move closer to one another together, intimacy becomes an opportunity where insecurity, entitlement, questioning begins to breathe in. If you wanna have stronger relationships, a stronger dating relationship, say thank you. Whatever amount that you think is the amount of saying thank you, multiply it times 10. Say thank you, say thank you. At your boss, if you want to excel more in your organization, say thank you. Even to people that you work with that you're like, well, I don't really have to say thank you to them. They get a paycheck. Say thank you. If you want to be more attractive overnight, 
If you got hit with the ugly stick and you're wondering, how can I look more attractive tomorrow? Guys, this is for you. This is free. Be someone who is grateful. Be someone who is thankful that, hey, I don't deserve any of this. Thank you for giving your time. Thank you. And you're not entitled to anything. You're entitled to hell. That's what the Bible says. So everything else is, is sprinkles on top. The fact that I'm not going to hell. And so I can be thankful for anything and everything. And the Bible says that God commands it. First Thessalonians chapter five or 17 says, give thanks in every situation, in everything that you experience. And thankfulness will strengthen your relationship with your roommate. Say thank you. If they pay the bills every month and you Venmo them afterwards, say thank you. Use every, amen, yes, amen. And pay them if you told them where you were going to. But if you want to have stronger relationships, be more of God's man and God's woman, have the type of relationships that are for one another, saying thank you is a path towards that because it always, anytime thankfulness or gratefulness is present, it strengthens relationship. And the absence is true. Anytime that it's not there, it erodes or has the potential to erode relationships. I remember not long ago, I had a friend who was getting married and I found out what hotel him and his wife were gonna stay in the night that they got married. So we got married and then we're gonna go to this hotel. So I called the hotel. Sometimes I'll do this for friends and I'll just ask the hotel, hey, uh, can you upgrade their room and uh, can you put in their room some chocolate covered strawberries and some champagne or if that offends you, some grape juice and uh, whatever <laughs> the hotel kind of offers. And sometimes they'll do it for free, sometimes they, sometimes they won't. This time they didn't and I was like, it's all right, I'll cover it and it'll just be kind of a, a wedding gift and gave him this whole setup. And I never heard from him. And so I gave like the chocolate covered strawberries and the champagne. I'm like, oh, that's great. They're gonna go on their honeymoon. Fine, I'm sure it'll, you know, I'm sure it'll be great. And I'm not doing it for the thanks, no big deal, but hopefully they got it. And you begin to wonder like, I wonder if they even got it. Maybe they sent it to the wrong room. And, uh, and I began to like question like, maybe they're like allergic to strawberries and I just ruined their entire wedding or entire like honeymoon they're about to be a part of. Uh, maybe they um, were offended that the pastor sent the grape juice and uh, maybe they, you know, <laughs> I don't know. And, uh, and then I remember seeing him that next time. And I remember thinking like, I don't even know how to ask about this because I want to make sure that they did, but I don't want to be like, well, how was the hotel room, huh? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're like, no, I'm asking about the chocolate-covered strawberries, very literally. And so, like, to this day, I've never, ever brought it up. And Jerry, if you're listening, you know who you are. And uh, <laughs> that's not true. It's not Jerry. That's a made-up name. But point being, this opportunity... This opportunity that would have been something that's like, man, thank you, a strengthening of relationship, all of a sudden leads to hesitation in, uh, I'm not sure that, that either I should have given that gift or I should in the future give that gift. Think about that. What could have been something that strengthens relationships, strengthens, sets a precedent for doing it in the future, all of a sudden it becomes a chance of, I'm not even sure that that was worth it or that it even got delivered, that an opportunity to express appreciation led to hesitation for future things or future times that I would do it, which really leads into the second idea. And this is so huge. And I hope you're listening, especially for our generation. The second component from this story that we see is that gratefulness not expressed is gratefulness not experienced. Gratefulness not expressed is gratefulness not experienced. Pretty simple on the face, but let's talk about it for a second. What was different about this one leper? Was it that he felt grateful? 
My guess is that all the other nine felt grateful. I mean, think about it. If, you, if you've been living in a leper colony with nine other dudes, your face has fallen off, and one day this guy shows up and everything changes. You're healed. You're back to normal. You can go home. You can hug your kids. You can sleep in bed again with everybody. You can enter back into society. You can go to church again. What was the best day of your life? That day, that day you met that man who saved you, who changed you, who healed you. My guess is that all of them felt grateful. But only one of them expressed gratefulness. And this is so true. It's so profoundly true. And I need you to hear me because most of you are like, oh, yeah, I get that. You don't get it. Because if you did, it would transform the way that you interact. The number of times you're constantly saying, I'm thankful or thank you for doing that. Gratitude, anytime you are thankful and you do not express it. Gratitude not expressed is not experienced by the other person. If anything, often gratitude not expressed, just like in that scenario with like the champagne and chocolate scrubbed to strawberries, gratitude not expressed is not just experienced as confusion, it can be experienced as rejection or they're entitled. It's not just the absence of some like nice, oh, positive thank you on top. It becomes a, man, I, I don't even think they cared about that. That gratitude always shows up and it always speaks up. True gratitude should move you to action. So anytime you are thankful, it's an opportunity that God is trying to get a hold of you to say thank you, to move you in the direction of thanking God, move you in the direction of thanking other people around you. Gratitude that is felt is worthless unless it moves you to do something, whether that is praise God or thank people that God has put inside of your life. I wrote in my notes that gratitude that's not expressed is experienced as either rejection or entitlement on behalf of the person who fails to express it. The other interesting thing about gratefulness is that the more grateful you are, the more you express gratefulness, it's like that part of your heart continues to grow. In other words, the people who are most likely to express thank you to other people around you, it's like the more that you express it, the more that aspect grows inside of your heart. The more that you find yourself going, God, thank you for another day. Thank you that even though my car is broken down, I have a car. Thank you that I have friends. Thank you that Uber and Lyft exist. Thank you that I've got people in my life that can come pick me up. Thank you that I have a job. The more that you see or the more that you express gratefulness, the more that attribute grows inside of your heart, the easier it is to express. And the flip side is also true. The more that you complain, the easier it is to complain. Like as I was thinking through it, the illustration that I was thinking through was this. In life, everyone has heard, or probably most of us have heard the old adage of, hey, is the glass half empty or is the glass half full? Anyone heard this before? I'm gonna answer one time definitively for everybody if it's half empty or half full. Because it doesn't have anything to do with your wiring. It doesn't have anything to do with how you were raised or how you grew up or how you see the world. It has everything to do with one simple thing, is the glass being emptied or is it being filled? In other words, is this half empty or is it half full? Well, as it's emptying out, it would be half empty versus as this is being filled up, it's gonna be half full. Everyone following me? Does this make sense? You guys are like, what is going on over here with the water running? Is everyone, hey, I'm not moving on until every head in here gets it, okay? And I see you, okay? Hey, here's the deal. In other words, is it half empty or half full? Well, it depends. If it's emptying, then it's half empty. If it's filling up, then it would be half full. It depends on what is going in it or what is coming out of it. Does that make sense? How does this have anything to do with gratefulness? Some of us inside of the room are master complainers. 
We have mastered the ability to complain about anything. And I, when I say anything, I mean anything. And so you are able to drive down the road and instead of being thankful that, man, this road is great and I can't believe that I live in a country like this and this is amazing, you're like, oh my goodness, can everyone just drive the speed limit? Please, what are you doing? And you get here and you park in the car and you're not like, wow, this is like this amazing gathering on a Tuesday night that I get to come to and uh, you know, it's totally free and I get to hang out and be around friends. You show up and you're like, ah, oh, the parking. What is wrong with this church? This is ridiculous. Where is the golf cart? One golf cart for 4,000 people? Was this a joke? I mean, you've, you've mastered the ability to complain about anything. I mean, like I hear people will complain about the weather and I hear the same thing during different seasons from the same person where it's like, ah, summer, it's going to be so hot. <laughs> and then winter comes around and it's like, ah, oh, I just hate the cold. I can't stand the cold. It's like they're, they're up and down. Nothing's going to please you. And you would say, I just wish if we lived in San Diego, it'd be 72 year round. You know what you would do if you lived in San Diego? Man, I'm just going. Okay. If you lived in San Diego... You wouldn't be happy with 72. You'd be like, ah, I wish we had seasons. That's got to be great to have seasons. Because you have mastered the ability to complain about anything. It is an art. And many of us have conquered it. And it's something that you could, just like you could complain about anything, there is a way to experience praising or thanking God, being grateful about anything. And the reason why this illustration is relevant is just like in that scenario of complaining. How do you know if your life is half empty or half full? If you complain, every time you and I complain, it's something where it's just sucking the life out. It's sucking the life out. Oh, this is so terrible. I can't believe my job. I showed up and they're like, oh, we got new health insurance. You got to fill these forms out. Can you believe that? I'm so, you have health insurance. That's amazing. You show up in the, the, the food trucks. You're like, no, the slider food trucks aren't here tonight. Unbelievable. I'm going home. This is ridiculous. Slide, no. We're supposed to eat at the piggy pork thing over here. I mean, it's true where you can complain and you're draining your life every time that you do it. Then the flip side is also true. Here's, what, here's what's crazy. It's like you can live a life, you can be someone who's not being complained and drained all the time, but by being grateful, you will gain all the time. In other words, you're gonna come in, you're gonna be driving along the road and you're gonna be like, man, I'm sitting in traffic. Gosh, Lord, thank you that there are people all around me, which means there are lots of people who need Jesus. There's a lot of men and women inside of the city. And I thank you that there's a chance that I get to be a part of connecting them to the body of Christ. Thank you that there are food trucks. Slider's not here. So I get to try something new. God, I'm filling it up. Thank you that somebody else called the food trucks. I don't even know how to call the food truck, but somebody called them and they got them here to be a part of it. Thank you that at work I have health insurance. Thank you that the weather's hot because it reminds me to be thankful for AC and it's cold outside. I get to be thankful for the heat that no matter what life throws at you, you're able to say, man, I'm thankful. And my life isn't drained from it and it gains and it adds to it. Study after study shows what the Bible says, which is that if you want to have joy in your life, express gratitude. In other words, it's not happy, joyful people that are thankful. Thankful people are joyful, and they're able to see in the midst of whatever life throws at them, man, God is at work. I can choose to be thankful, or don't. And you complain, and your life will always be half empty. Things will always be, ah, oh, man, I'm so depressed about this. And you're going to get around other people who will like feed into it, and they're like, yeah, the sliders. I can't believe that. That was terrible. And you're just going to continue to drain your life. And it's funny, and I'm joking, but... I couldn't be more serious. Think about how often you complain and it is sucking the life out of you. And God who's there commanded in Philippians chapter 
2, verse 14, do everything without grumbling or complaining. It's the same word there. That you were to do everything in life without ever complaining, which is like everything, Paul, that feels a little aggressive. What about when the power's out? Everything in life, Paul would say, without complaining. And he would say in 1 Thessalonians, what we read earlier, give thanks in every circumstance for this is God's will for you. What is God's will? That is crazy. That was so convicting to me. As candidly, somebody who just was like so frustrated by all the different things for the past two days. I wonder about God's will for my life and where does he want me and you know, what, what's the future hold for us? And then you read verses like this and it's like, oh, this is God's will. Be thankful in every circumstance. That he doesn't say be thankful for every circumstance. But he says, hey, you can choose to be thankful in every circumstance in the midst of whatever you're walking through. If you are a follower of Jesus, in the midst of whatever you're walking through, you can be thankful knowing that God's promised to work everything together for your good. That whatever you're facing, he's more than enough to get you through. There's a list of things that you can, in the midst of whatever you're walking through, whatever you're facing, you can be thankful, Paul would say, and you are commanded. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna practice this really quick. Everyone take out their phone. On your phone, hopefully you have text messaging. Hopefully it works. We're gonna right now take a chance. I want everyone to text someone and say thank you for something. We're just gonna, we're just gonna do it right now. We're all gonna try it together. Some of you maybe have never done this before, so let me, let me try it and let me get you a head start on it. I'm gonna give you the first three words and you got it from there. Thank you for. Thank you for. Don't text the person right next to you. Just turn to them and say thank you for. And if you get text message from somebody right next to you, I need you to raise your hand because we're putting their head under the bucket. And uh, we're all going to, I mean it right now. Here, I'm going to do it right now. I didn't mind. This shouldn't have, shouldn't take too much longer. Unless you were right, unless you're that novel person. We all have that person in our life. All right, that's it. All right, hey, now here's the next thing. I want to give a chance to do that and express to God. There are a billion things we should be thankful for that we take for granted. So right now, let's just pray. And wherever you're at right now, just pray, thank you, God, for X. Amen. If you're here tonight and you're here for the first time, <clears throat> we do this every week. And uh, no, that's not true. <laughs> but the point of that practice is just to begin. Like if you and I will begin to take those steps, gratefulness is like this contagious thing. It grows and grows and grows inside of your heart. And the opposite is true. 
discontentment, complaining, envy, those things will grow and you can combat them. There's a lot of positive moods and a lot of negative moods. Gratefulness is one of those moods that can pull you out of some of the negative moods. God created it that way. He created you to praise and to thank people, to praise him and thank others. Live in that relationship with him and relationship with others. The final component of having a gratefulness mark your life is really looking at the origin of where gratefulness comes from. It's this gratefulness flows from the right perspective. I mentioned this earlier, but what did Jesus do for this man that he didn't do for the other nine? Like we said earlier, he looks at him and he says, hey, your faith has made you well. What a weird sentence. What, what are you saying there, Jesus? Your faith has made you well? Well, what about the other nine? Did their faith make them well? Clearly, there's something different that happened here. Like we said, in a moment of clarity, this man had the right perspective on who Jesus was, and it says he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he began to praise God. He saw this man as the Savior that he was, that he had the right perspective, and it fueled a gratefulness in his life. If you're going to have not a momentary, a fleeting kind of thank you, Lord, for this day and for you know, this food and bless us, amen, but if you're going to have a gratefulness that really marks your life continually, no matter what you face in every circumstance, it's gonna flow from the right perspective. What is the right perspective? It's a perspective that comes from having the right perspective or way that you see Jesus and the way that you see this life, or the way that you see eternity. I'll explain more what I mean, but let me give an example of a guy who had the right perspective. The way that he saw our world because of who he saw Jesus was and who Jesus was to him transformed the way that he thought about his time, about his life, about his stuff. It's a guy named Matthew Henry. He was a uh, famous theologian from the 1600s. Lived in England. He was a, basically a well-known celebrity. Think Billy Graham of the 1600s in England. And he's walking home one day and he just finished work. And on his way home from work, he gets robbed by a bunch of people. And they take everything that he has. And he goes home and he journals out and begins to thank God. And you're like, what, what are you thanking God for after you just got robbed and they took all of your money. Here's what he says. I thank you, God, that I have never been robbed before. Thank you that although they took my wallet, they didn't take my life. Thank you that although they took all that I had, all that I had was not very much. Thank you that it was I who was robbed and not I who did the robbing. Matthew Henry's Right perspective allowed him, even in the midst of getting robbed, hey, I, I can name four things right off the bat I'm thankful for. How crazy is that? Well, it's only crazy if you don't see it through the perspective that Matthew Henry saw it through. The perspective that, hey, Jesus is the savior of my life, which means everything that I've ever done inside of this life has been paid for on the cross. He took my place so that I wouldn't have to go to hell. And so now I get to spend whatever time I have left on this earth trying to make him as famous as possible and reach as many lost people as possible for the name of Jesus so that they don't have to go to hell either. That right perspective, I mean, think about the power of just the fact that if you're a Christian, you don't have to go to hell. I mean, that should be enough. It's crazy to even, I'm embarrassed to even be like, that should be enough as though like we even need to be reminded of that, but I know I do. Like if God never did another thing for the rest of my life, that should be enough, that I don't have to go to hell forever and ever and ever and ever. I mean, think about it. Like if you're a Christian in the room, I want you to think about something with me. 
Imagine you didn't know Jesus. And it's true. There's a hell. And anyone who's not put their faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross as the payment for their sin, and he rose from the dead showing that payment cleared, the check cleared, the credit card went through. That's what Jesus showed whenever he rose from the dead. There's a hell, and anyone who doesn't have a relationship with him is going there. And think about it. Think about where you would be if you didn't have that relationship. Think about hell. I know that's a a bizarre thing to think about. Spending eternity away from the living God, having no relationships around you in eternal torment. And maybe it's been so long you were a kid when you got saved. Think about that. That's what you deserve. That's what I deserve. It's what every person who's alive on this planet deserves by sinning against a perfect, holy God and choosing to be their own God. And apart from God, stepping into your life and dropping the veil from your eyes and allowing you to see Jesus. Because if you are a follower of Jesus, it's not because you chose him. He chose you. And so you can clap at that. But here, here, think about that. How could we not be the most grateful people on the planet? I mean, if you don't ever get married, if you're out there and you're like, oh man, I'm still single. I'm just so frustrated by that. And it's draining your life. The God who's there has saved you. If you are a Christian, you're not going to spend eternity apart from him. Everything else is just sprinkles on top. And the God who's there is saying, this is the right perspective to have. And if you don't have it in the moments that I don't have it, or if I don't have it, I'm living less than in line with the will of God for my life. This life is a vapor, the scripture says. Whatever expectations, whatever frustrations, whatever things in your life that you're just so upset about and you complain about, and we all have them, God would say, when you could see it from an eternal right perspective, those things will fade away. And the moment that you begin to see it, like Matthew Henry saw it, like Jesus calls us to see it with a right perspective, it fuels gratefulness. Everything I have is a gift. I get another day? What? I get another chance to have relationships with friends. Yeah, I'm single, but that means I'm still alive and I still got time to mingle and I'm going to be here and I'm going to have relationships maybe around me. Maybe there's still hope. Everything I have, there's a chance I can turn it around. There's a chance that I can see that God's in the work of all of it. Even the worst of circumstances, scripture says he has promised. If you are a believer, listen to me very closely because some of you that are listening right now, wherever you're at, you're listening online or you're listening in this room, you are wondering how can God make cancer make sense? How can God make the most painful of circumstances make sense? And I'm not going to pretend like I know all the answers and know everything that you're walking through and could give you like, well, here's exactly what's going on there because I don't know. But I know that he has promised that everything that you face, everything you experience, I will use for your good. And you're going to have a chance. Someday you're going to stand before God and you're going to stand in front of him and you're going to get to see how everything that was so broken in this world he was using to bring together for good. So in the midst of the worst circumstances, we can thank God and say, thank you, God, that even though this is not what I would choose, it's not what I would want, you are gonna use it for good. And though I can't see it now, I'll see it someday. And I'm gonna trust you until then. Will you help me thank you? Help me to see it clearly, see you clearly. See the gifts that are all around me that I do not deserve. If you're in the room and you have never trusted in Jesus, here's what you need to know. No amount of thankfulness that you express is gonna change your life in the most important way that it is possible. Every expression of thanks, you can apply them. It'll probably make your life better, but you're still going to hell. And the God who's there is crazy about you. He loves you. He gave his life for you. 
He gave his life for anyone who would simply receive the free gift. How do you become a Christian? How do you have eternal life? Let me, let me make it really clear in case you've been tuning out and counting these wood things. Like, how did they get those up there? In case you're not zoning in, take it right here. You put your faith or your trust in Jesus's work on the cross. You died in my place. You rose in my place. You gave your life so that I didn't have to give my life for all of eternity. You gave your eternal life, Jesus, so I don't have to give all of my eternity away apart from you. And I'm not gonna trust, listen to me, listen, listen, listen. I will not trust in how good of a person I am. The Bible does not say, whosoever behaves shall not perish but have eternal life. It says, whosoever believes, whoever trusts in Jesus, whoever says, I'm not getting into heaven because I went to church enough. That's a lie. Whoever says, I am only gonna be granted access with the one God who's there because of Jesus, because he opened the door. He called himself the door. He died in my place. And I have so much to be thankful for because I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. And yet Jesus stepped in and he allowed me to have eternal life. That's what it means to be a Christian. If you're in the room, maybe you're walking, uh, you haven't walked in your faith for a while. Maybe it's first time back in church or ever. If you have never accepted that free gift, you're not a Christian. And I don't know how to encourage you to be grateful in this life because this world is as good as it's ever gonna get for you. And then off to eternity, forever and ever and ever, apart from the one true God who's crazy in love with you. You look at your life like I look at mine, and you're like, gosh, could anyone love me? And the God who's there is crazy in love with you. And the lie that you're gonna be tempted every day to believe and have been tempted every day to believe is that he doesn't love you. And he's already proven emphatically that he does by giving his life on your behalf. And it's the moment that you say, man, it's not good people in heaven, bad people in hell. Forgiven people go to heaven. And the only way to get that is by saying, Jesus, your payment was enough. You paid for everything I did. I don't deserve it. You paid for it. And I'm so grateful. Let me pray. Father, I pray that anyone in this room who's never had a moment of faith where they accepted that free gift right now where they're sitting would accept the free gift that you offered when you gave your life on their behalf. And that payment was more than enough. And it went through and the curse broke. And since that moment, everything has begun to change. Many of us have begun to change. And our world, as it is, will change. I pray that right now, anyone who's never, that currently is trusting in how good of a person they are, or they think you wouldn't love them because of how bad of a person they've been, your spirit would do what only it can do, convince them that that is a lie. And you've already paid the way. You've opened the door for anyone who will simply walk through it. And we are grateful, God. At the end of the day, we are unworthy servants. We are unworthy of the gift that you've offered. So right now, Lord, as we sing this song, would you, in our hearts, in my heart, start with me first. Kindle a gratefulness that continually Sees every moment I have is just a gift, God. Everything in front of me is a gift that I didn't earn and I don't deserve. We worship you in song now, amen.